Good morning. The scripture meeting, scripture reading this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Please give your full, undivided attention to the reading of God's holy word. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Amen. This is the reading of God's word. At this time now, please give your attention to the preaching of God's holy word. Thanks be to God for his, yes, wow, I got surprised. Thanks be to God, I heard a response. And uh, this is his holy, timeless word. Uh, Give you this moment, please say hello, welcome each other on this Mother's Day especially, on this worship of God. Would you do that for a moment with me? This is God's gift to us that we hear from his word, and I'm uh, going to talk about wisdom from parents. This is going to be a mini-series broken up into two parts within the series of Shalom. Today is wisdom from parents. On May 22nd, Pastor Jimmy is preaching next week on discerning the will of God, but on May 22nd, we're going to unpack wisdom for parents, but today, wisdom from parents, wisdom from parents. Moms and dads, a lot of moms in the room, so happy to have you. Maybe some people who long and ache to be moms. Let's be frank and honest, some of you who are moms don't want to be moms. (laughs) Like your greatest Mother's Day gift is just please leave me alone. Please, just give me the card, give me the chocolate, give me money, give me good food, but can you just leave me alone for the weekend? Oh, and particularly this week, as I'll unpack later, so much emotion, happiness, and sorrows as well as we celebrate Mother's Day in our worship service to God. Well, this passage, excuse me, teaches and uh, passes along God's wisdom, which usually comes first from parents. Okay, verses 3, 4, and the following verses The author says, I got this from my parents, and so I pass it along to you. Four headings. First, what to do with our parents. Second, what not to do, a warning. Third, what Jesus can do. And fourth, how to get wisdom from God, or how to get the wisdom of God. First, what should you do with parents? Now, let me just define wisdom a little bit here, okay? My own translation 
a concoction of things here. Biblical wisdom is the gift and the ability to merge the word of God and how the world really works. Okay? Timeless, holy, transcendent revelation of God and then practical reality. Wisdom leads you to do what's best in the complex realities of life. In other words, <coughs> wisdom is for those situations in which the scriptures do not directly address. But with wisdom, you are able to apply the scriptures. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1, as an example. Here it reads, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, have given your pledge for a stranger, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son. If you want to know the answer to that, read from verse 3. Wow, what a practical real-life situation. Should you put up security for your neighbor? Should you vouch for a stranger on a loan? This author got wisdom from his parents. He's trying to pass it along to his sons and daughters. By God's spirit, hopefully it's passed along to us a little bit today. But what should you do, however, when your parents, who are supposed to pass along wisdom, aren't that wise? Ah. <laughs> Proverbs opens up in chapter 1, verse 8, and says, I got this from my father and mother. And again, in verses 3 and 4, of our passage, did we just not read of three and four? When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the side of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast. Wisdom is supposed to be passed along by father and mother from both. But what do you do as you get a little more mature and you start recognizing, oh, but my parents weren't godlike or godly. My parents were foolish. My parents were too oppressive. My parents didn't have, parents didn't have self-control. Emotionally, relationally, sexually, financially. What happens when you who once needed your parents so much, your parents turn around and they now need you so much? They might have embarrassed, failed abjectly, lied, and maybe even been abusive. What, what, what do you do? What do you do on this Mother's Day? What do you do on a Father's Day? The command from the Ten Commandments is number five. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. No matter what. No matter who your parents are. No matter what they've done. This includes your in-laws. You heard it clearly today. Honor your parents includes your in-laws. Don't replicate. You don't have to replicate. And you don't have to hate your parents. You don't have to be controlled, conformed by your parents, or completely cut them off. That's not what the Bible commands. But honor them. Honor them. That's a third path. It's a promised path toward long and full life. Again, 
no matter who your parents are, and even no matter what they've done. The objection goes, well, you know, my parents, Pastor, you don't know my parents. My parents only feel honored is if I do what they tell me to do. Chances are you must be Asian. You must be Asian. You've got to be able to distinguish carefully comfortable cultural codes that are familiar to you from biblical commands. Otherwise, you're going to be conflicted and torn. What does it mean to honor your parents, even in a Near Eastern, biblical, Asian background? It's not about forcing or faking your feelings. It's not about faking and forgetting what has really happened. It's not about going into a trance delusionally and pretending things are better. No. Honoring your parents is the decision to show dignity, courtesy, and appreciation nevertheless. Commandment number five. Commandment number five of the great Ten Commandments, which happens to come before all the other social ethical commands. Please mark that. As soon as God turns to how should you treat anyone else outside of yourself, of course, the first four commandments have to do with the greatest. Love God with everything you've got. And so he unpacks it in four ways. But starting in verse 5, before you learn how to relate with anyone else, God begins with commandment number five. Honor your parents. The decision to show dignity, courtesy, and appreciation. Nevertheless, can I tell you, my friends, this morning, this is actually what your conscience needs most? Can I tell you that God has crafted and shaped your soul in the image of God, that you would do this with parental or authority figures? Do you know that maybe this is one of the things the world needs most, especially the U.S. of A.? So especially on holidays or special gatherings, yes, do not miss that opportunity to show or express dignity, courtesy, and appreciation. Mom, dad, you know, this is what I learned from you. Mom, dad, thank you. Thank you. Years and years and years and years of sacrifices. Yes, there were mistakes and sins along the way, but my goodness, you've given up so much for me. Thank you. You know that dad or mom, that one time you did this? Do you know how much I value and will never forget that? Do you know how much that shaped me in my own parenting for my own kids now? Do you know that now, mom, I recognize a little better how hard it must have been for you to come to a foreign country not knowing this language and raise our family to the point that it is at now? Listen, honor your parents. This is what you should do. It's the command. This is the gateway decision to all of shalom. It is the constant moral foundation to all relationships. Honor your parents. Now, the warning, what not to do. The warning. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 11 and 17 <clears throat> there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. Verse 17 reads, The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother 
will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. <laughs> How vivid and vulgar is that? Your eyes plucked out and eaten by birds of the air? Why so vivid? This is how serious and offensive it is to your maker God and potentially how detrimental it is to you. The warning, the warning. Mockery and scorn, mistreatment, contempt, complete cutting off, not wanting to deal with it at all, or maybe just, just indifference. Here's a frightening thought. Do you know that could come back full circle? Sonny and I talk about this as our girls just continue to grow and grow and grow. Do you know that they see how mom and dad treat their moms and dads, and then they might end up treating you the same way you treated your mom and dad? I remember doing a basketball practice in my front yard, my dad, who was awfully busy, took so much intentional time to practice with me. And just one day, I guess, I was just really tired or irritable. Usually not like that, but I made a comment. Dad, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And I saw my dad's face fall, his body sulk, and he just quietly went back inside the house. This week, as I recall that, it hurts me to think about how I hurt him. It hurts me. I wish I never said those words. My own conscience and my heart doesn't sit well with it. A brief word for all the people in this room who go around in life and say, well, you know, I'm only going to honor and respect those who earn it from me. They got to first prove it to me. Can I suggest to you that if you only give honor and respect to those who prove it to you first, that reflects more of your painful past than it does about parental figures in the present. It also separates the men and women from boys and girls because ironically, you don't really fully become an adult. Listen, you don't really grow into adulthood until you learn to honor adults, beginning with your parents. So this ability, this gift, to merge the word of God and how the world really works, to do what's best in all the complex, maybe confusing, chaotic realities of life. To know what the scripture would want you to do, even when the scriptures don't practically, specifically identify what to do. You want to talk about how valuable this gift is? This is the ability to keep what's good, preserve and hold fast to what is good. Get the good from your parents, but filter out and forgive what's bad. Oh, you should have boundaries. Absolutely, it's called critical thinking. In spiritual discipline, it's called take in what is good, just filter out, repent, forsake what is bad. Starting with your parents, of course. You can choose to honor and not hype your upbringing or hate your parents. You can choose to keep relationships. And of course, you know, relationships and family are just given to you. You don't choose them. You don't manufacture them. You don't have any choice, but you can choose to keep those long-term, although you disagree and disapprove. You can learn to treat people with civility, in good faith, 
and with courtesy, no matter who they are and what they've done. Now, you tell me, if you have that ability and gift, you don't think that's valuable in life? You don't think such wisdom is invaluable in life? Look at verses 8 and 9. Here's what the father taught his son, verses 8 and 9. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Here, wisdom is personified as a she. It's lady wisdom because he's talking to a son. He wants to tell him there is nothing more attractive and stunning and beautiful and rewarding than wisdom. Wisdom from God will tend to bring grace and beauty in all of life. What should you do? Commandment number five. What should you not do? Don't mock and scorn and despise your parents. Third, what Jesus can do. What Jesus can do. Now, in order to adequately, genuinely honor your parents, you must be liberated from your parents. You heard that right. In order to honor your parents, you have to be free from your parents. Uh, if you get married and raise your own family, what does God say in Genesis chapter? In the early chapters, you must leave your father and mother and then cleave to your wife, become united. You can't have a healthy marriage and family until you have properly, adequately left, in a sense, your mom and dad. Same thing. How can you honor your parents? How are you going to honor your parents? A lot of you today aren't really free from your parents. But here's what Jesus can do. Matthew chapter 12. <clears throat> While he, Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brother stood outside, asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Seems rude. Mom and brothers are waiting upon him. Seems rude. But Jesus came to recreate a family of his own. Biological bloodlines, given and as a gift as they are from God, will be surpassed and superseded by his bloodlines, the bloodlines of Jesus. That means your brother, your sibling right now, that bully, bad, abusive brother right now will no longer be your brother in the kingdom of God. Don't be too happy. Don't be too happy. Don't rejoice too much. But when Jesus, when he comes down, what is he doing? He is re recreating an altogether different family. I think this is one reason to trust that the Gospels are authentic because to an honor-shame-based cultural, very familial, familial culture, for anyone to come along and directly challenge that you should put someone else in front of your mom and dad, that you should leave your mom and dad, that you should forsake your brothers and sisters and come follow me. I don't even know who dared to say something like that and let alone get away with it. And billions do it today. This Jesus Christ dares to go into one of the most precious idols of certain cultures 
And he directly says, mm, your biological family, it's great, but it's not ultimate. It's fantastic, but it's not forever. Jesus, this is why, chose to lose. My goodness. I don't know if you've ever been in a toxic, bad relationship with someone you used to love. What that feels like, right? Jesus volunteered to get into a disruption, a complete loss of his own father's love and pleasure and approval and delight while he did nothing wrong as a perfect son. So that anyone in this room, anyone listening in, if you look to and trust in Jesus, while you haven't done anything right, you get the father of Jesus, his love and pleasure and approval and delight. What do you think that does? Jesus liberates you like no other. He sets you free like no other. His gospel, him bringing you his father, reorders every relationship. Reorders every relationship. Hey, how many of you in this room are really good with money? You think you're good with money. It was a bad week for the stock market, right? Pretty bad this last week. Are you good with money? You won't be that good with money, though, however, if you live for money, if you worship money, if your life is money central, you can't think straight. Well, how many of you are good with your physicality, your sexuality, intimacy? If your life revolves around that, if you live for that, if that is what your life means, do you really think you're going to be good with it? Ah, oh, how are you good with your parents? How are you going to be good with your parents? How are you going to be good with your family? You need a greater, better, ultimate family. You're only going to honor your parents if you're free from your parents. So to become a Christian, to become a Christian, oh, means you get adopted by God in heaven. You are adopted now by him. That never breaks. Because you needed to be rescued and saved. Literally like he needed to pick you up in his arms and carry you by the best older brother, Jesus Christ. And then his Holy Spirit comes rushing in. And then automatically you just start to feel more bonded, more at home with brothers and sisters of faith. And when you belong like that, when you get befriended like that, when you are loved on like that, when you get shepherded, or dare I say, reparented like that here at a church like CCSC. Reshepherded, reparented by, I can't wait for female officers, deaconesses, and shepherdesses by this fall. When this happens, what it can do is reorder and liberate you in all your relationships. Now your attitude can be to your parents. Thank you. You gave me life. You were my first face of identity and love. You gave up so much for me. You gave me a sense of authority and worth. But you don't have to play the role of God anymore for me. 
You don't have to be everything for me. You don't have to fulfill all my needs or expectations. There is someone I know, Jesus, who loved me and forgave me. And because he loved me and forgave me by taking my place, I can turn. I am free now to forgive and honor and love you. This is what Jesus can do. This is what Jesus does. You know, God took our sister Carol Choi home on Monday after a two-year battle with ovarian cancer. Met with her grieving husband, John, the next day. They attend this service. And at lunch, John was sharing with me how very well-meaning people have been expressing pity for his three-year-old son, Andrew, who is now going to have to grow up without a mom. And John, during lunch, recalled on his own, you know, Harold, I, I remember infant baptism. When Andrew was baptized here at the church, how we as a Reformed church, which means we're covenantal in our theology and we're covenantal in our community practice, how we all take vows to parent all our children together. And John said to me, I hold on to the hope CCSC provides spiritual moms and dads. I hold on to the hope that CCSC provides spiritual moms and dads. It's better than pity. You can parent. It's better than pity. You can pour out your love in practical ways and pray. You know what's better than all the pity in the world? More healing, more securing, more reprogramming, more life-giving. Is a group of people called the church who live up to her calling and function like the family of God. Moms and dads, these are my brothers and sisters. My wife and I frankly can't imagine Taylor and Elizabeth ever being who they are now without all the moms and dads and brothers and sisters of this church. Where we have failed, you have covered. Last Sunday, my youngest sister-in-law, Glory, celebrated her birthday shower, baby shower. Um, and on Instagram, she posted this. It's been almost four years since I've moved to L.A. <clears throat> came from Atlanta, came from Miami. It was a hard adjustment with the new life stage, new city. But God had something precious in store for me. After years of restlessness, transient through different schools and cities, I found an amazing community where I could finally set my roots, see Matthew grow. Thank you all for being part of our journey and for the love you graciously pour on us. I happen to know Glory's journey and story pretty well. And I was so struck and moved by that because I'm so proud of her. She stuck with it. She stuck with this one. And now she found a home until we all get home. A home away from home that I think the world could only mimic 
cannot be manufactured. That was Sunday. Monday, she gets rolled into the hospital for high blood pressure because of preeclampsia. And her baby boy, Matthew, was induced on May the 4th be with you, May the 4th be with you, to Philly and glory. And they welcome and appreciate all the prayers and all the love being poured out for them as Matthew has been born seven to eight weeks early. What to do, what not to do, and then what Jesus can do. What Jesus can do. Last, how to get wisdom from God. Okay, real short. How to get the wisdom of God. <coughs> Excuse me. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 reads, For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Everybody in this room right now this morning has a worldview about who is stupid, who is foolish, and who is utterly wrong. All we have to do is read your Instagram feeds. You have a worldview, and it's pretty passionate. It's pretty convincing. These are all the people who are foolish and wrong, but it's never you. It's never you. Can I tell you, my friend, you'll never become a Christian this way. You'll never become wise this way. Because here, Apostle Paul says, it is through the foolishness of God. It seems like foolishness, nonsensical, crazy even, madness, that the only way God is going to put an end to all the evil, all the suffering, all the injustice, all the abuses, all the complexities of life that is just so dang wrong, the only way God is going to put an end to all the suffering and evil in the world without ending you without putting an end to you is by treating and condemning his own perfect son, Jesus Christ, in your place. This is the foolishness, the folly of what we preach. And the wisdom of God only comes for fools. The wisdom of God only comes for those who desperately need it. The wisdom of God only comes to people who says, you know, I'm not going to keep trusting my own wisdom. You know, I'm just as indoctrinated, aren't I? I'm just as brainwashed, aren't I? I think I'm so independent. But no, the whole world is crafting me into their own image. I need an outside, objective, transcendent, life-giving wisdom. This world gives me none. And if you need wisdom from on high, the ultimate parent, wisdom to come down. Oh, pay attention to verses 30 and 31 of 1 Corinthians 1. And because of him, Jesus, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Here is the wisdom of God, like the treasure chest, just unlocked, and it's just gushing out. It comes in a person. It comes in a relationship. It comes in a relationship like you have with your spouse or your best friend. It comes in Jesus. When you get him, when you need him, wisdom of God unleashed. Today, please stop trusting in your own smarts and wisdom and control. Your education and your techniques and medications and tactics.
your psychology, and your therapy. Please stop just trusting in that alone. Do you not know if there is a God, there is a wisdom that transcends it all? And the only way you get that wisdom, stop trusting yourself, look and trust the one who came for you. Receive him, follow him. And as Michael Card once sang, come be a fool as well. Come be a fool as well. Oh, but the foolishness of God is infinitely higher and better than all the wisdom of the world. I'm going to give you just a little teaser for the second part. Wisdom for parents. Wisdom for parents in two weeks. This is how wisdom gets passed along best from parents. Just so that you can think about this in the next couple of weeks. All of us who are parents groaning and struggling through. It's the words you say, the ways you live, and then how you love and cherish your children. How does wisdom get passed along best from parents? This is wisdom for parents. Words you say, the ways you live, and then how you love and cherish your children. Did you notice verse 3 of chapter 4? Maybe my favorite of this passage. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 3. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother. When a child is adored like this, unconditionally, extravagantly, unmistakably, this child felt like there's no one else in the world in the eyes of his mom. A child loved and cherished wisely like this most often turns around and does his verses four through six. He taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. She will keep you. Love her. She will guard you. Hey, children who are loved and cherished like this, most often love and cherish the things you love and cherish. They want to listen to what you say. This author is remembering and repeating and writing down verbatim what his mom and dad told him. It's right there in Holy Scriptures. He's not forsaking or forgetting it. He's not treating it as trivial. No, it's like life to him. It's invaluable to him. Why would that be? Because, oh, parents, you have been gifted by God on loan, your children, to love and cherish them wisely. And as you love and cherish your children wisely, more often than not, they will end up love and cherishing the one you love and cherish most. You love and cherish most. That's how wisdom's passed along. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the riches, the marvel, the power, the conviction, the corrections, the healing that comes through your word, by your spirit, and through your people. Oh Lord, CCSE is your beloved body. Grow us in wisdom. Grow us in wisdom and love for one another, for brothers and sisters, moms and dads, your sons and daughters, whom you have called even here today. Pray this, O Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.